Hey, leaders, we're just over two years into this show and love getting to talk with leaders here about what they're learning in the ever-changing context of the world we're living in. And we know a lot has changed in that time, so we put together a short 10-minute survey we'd love for you to take to tell us what's resonated with you and what you'd like to see more from this show as we move into the future. And as a bonus, the first 50 people to complete the survey will be sent a free Barna monograph. To fill out the survey, go to barna.com slash cpw survey. Again, that's barna.com cpw survey and fill it in to enter to win. We'll also include a link in the show notes for you to access. And with that, let's get on to today's episode. Welcome to the Church Pulse Weekly Podcast, featuring leadership author and podcaster, Carrie Newhoff and Barna President, David Kinneman. This podcast delivers unprecedented insights every week into how church leaders are navigating constant change in an era of disruption and discusses new digital tools to help you stay connected in real time to the people in your church. And now, your hosts, Carrie Newhoff and David Kinneman. Welcome to Church Pulse Weekly. It's Carrie Newhoff here, along with Barna President David Kinneman. Hello, David. Hey, Carrie. Hey, it's good to be with you again. And we are kind of rolling into a new season, aren't we? Does it really feel like we're finally out of the pandemic? Is that what it feels like? I mean, we have no mask <laughs> mandates left in Canada right now. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, no, it definitely feels, it I, I was noticing it just going to some restaurants and uh, hanging around here in Southern California over the last week that, you know, a place that's been pretty locked down uh, feels pretty open now. And um, I just mm-hmm. I think we went into one one retail shop that had had something about, um, you know, being, being uh, if you're unvaccinated, to keep a mask on. But yeah, it definitely feels like there's some more return to normal. I know a lot of church leaders sort of are feeling more normal, but also that they are wondering where their people went and, uh, or at least some percentage of their people. <laughs> and, you know, it, it definitely feels like there's still a, a long shadow of the pandemic. Yeah, what if this is normal? Right. I think the evidence is increasingly that, yeah, this is your church moving forward. They're not coming back. And right, right. you can build from this base. But, you know, metrics, David, for a long time have been, you know, we definitely need them. You don't want to fly blind into leadership. On the other hand, if you live by metrics, you can die by metrics. And you always say, be data informed, not data driven. And I think that's good. But there are other ways to measure church health. And we talked about that a lot with Ed Stetzer, our guest today, at the State of Your Church webinar that we did, uh, well, last month or whenever that was. And um, talk about some other metrics that you think leaders should have uh, their finger on. What should we be paying attention to other than people who are showing up and not showing up? Well, for the last three years, uh, we've been hard at work. Uh, pulling together a variety of different um, inputs from you know years and years, decades of of work here at Barnett Group and other insights from uh, church consultants and from various sort of um, studies, and we've kind of created a, a church survey of church surveys, and so we call it the Church Pulse, and um, that includes um, aspects of, of of your people flourishing. How are the people that you're ministering to doing? And also includes aspects of um, church flourishing, um, church, I should say church thriving. So people th- flourishing and uh, church thriving. And uh, there are various dimensions, five areas of, dim- of flourishing and 15 dimensions of um, flourishing. We kind of break those down into three different categories. 
but things like the worship experience, um, how connected the community is, the prayer culture, the Bible-centeredness, mm. the degree of spiritual formation that's occurring, um, how trusted the leadership is. These are areas of, of congregational thriving. How well is your congregation as an organism, as a unit doing? And uh, Church Pulse is free to, to use um, for churches, and it gives you a good sense of what's really happening in the lives of the people that we're serving, the flourishing angle of, of how people are doing, but also how our churches are doing organizationally. And again, as a free, uh, standardized, easy to uh, use survey, we'd encourage uh, leaders to take a look at that. Church Pulse is the name of, uh, of the survey. In fact, yeah, and where do you find that? The name of Church that? Pulse Weekly uh, <laughs> yeah. at, at Barna.com. And so if you just go to okay. Barna.com or on Barna Access, uh, you can just uh, search for Church Pulse. Uh, and so <clears throat> the um, we've been hard, Church Pulse Weekly actually came from the work we had been doing on this assessment. And uh, Church Pulse felt like such such a, a good name for us to be using as we launched into this podcast a couple of years ago as the pandemic began. And, um, mm-hmm. and that was because we had already been working on some of these things uh, more than a year prior to that. Well, I love the work you do. I have uh, used the research for over three decades now in my own leadership. And again, there's lots of free stuff, but if you want to do the deep dive and look at all the data and get some extended interviews, including um, some conversation with Ed that we didn't air on this podcast, you can go to barna.com slash access and search for the state of your church. You can get the full report there. And as a bonus for our listeners, use the code churchpulse all one word, to receive 20% off an annual subscription. And uh, well, why don't we dive into our conversation with Ed Stetzer. Dr. Ed Stetzer is a professor and dean at Wheaton College, where he also serves as the executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. He has planted, revitalized, and pastored churches, trained pastors and church planters on six continents. He's earned two master's degrees and two doctorates and has written hundreds of articles and a dozen books and now I'm exhausted. So my goodness, that's quite a bio, isn't it? That's unbelievable. I love Ed. And let's dive into, uh, well, our conversation with Ed Stetzer. Ed, it's good to be with you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're talking about metrics. I want to think about metrics. We're in a whole new era. Um, So attendance, giving, those are some of the traditional markers of church metrics. Um, You think, or do they come up short? Like I think they're not view? enough. I think they're, they're not, not enough. enough. Now, again, okay. I'm not anti those metrics. I right. think I want to know, most pastors that I know would know what their attendance is, what their giving is. I think for probably a couple decades now, we've been saying we need to change the scorecard in church. We need to right. expand it. So for me, I'm concerned about what life transformation looks like. Um, I'm concerned, what are the... What is biblical discernment? What is growing in biblical knowledge? How does that lead to spiritual action and missional activity? So I think what we have to recognize is, is we shouldn't just have a two-mark scorecard. Uh-huh. We should broaden that to ultimately what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus on mission in the broken and hurting world we live in. What do you say to pastors? Because I've heard this numerous times, yep. I'm sure you have as well, who say, Ed, we just don't track attendance anymore. Totally. It's too totally. discouraging. Yeah. First, anyway. I, I don't think they're telling the truth. <laughs> Um, and maybe because, I mean, you know, COVID has changed so much. I mean, so we, you know, we've had pandemics for 2000 years in the history of the church, but never have we shut everything down and like this, and there we're seeing some consequences from that. So, Mm -hmm. so some people are saying we don't want to track attendance anymore, but they're still saying, where are we? What percent are we back? All those things. And what I would say is the whole patterns of congregational life have shifted. Some have become more involved. 
Right. We've seen that, giving more, yeah. serving more. Um, we want to get more like that. But part of the challenge is the loosely involved or the nominally connected, they've completely disconnected. And that's where a lot of our evangelism took place. You know, goes people who show up Christmas, Easter, a couple other times. Right. So I, I think we just have to learn to not stop measuring, but we need to measure differently, maybe a bit of a more mission-driven approach to our metrics. Hmm. So what would you, if, if you were to advise a church leader, here's what I think you should start measuring. Mm -hmm. What would you say, pay attention to this? Yeah, well, I think we're, we're trying to build together some common metrics that people use right. across different denominations and networks. And I think those kinds of things will be helpful. But what I want to ask is, is um, not simple. Well, first, as someone who cares deeply about evangelism, mm -hmm. I want to make sure we're asking, are we sharing the good news of the gospel, giving yeah. people the opportunity to respond uh, to the good news and become followers of Jesus? So if that's not in your metric, I think it should be that, <laughs> yeah. that we want to invite people into that life-giving relationship with Christ. But then also, I mean, I want to be measuring life change activities. Hmm. And life change activities for Christians all, almost always leads into community transformation activities as well. Right. So what percentage of your people are serving? What percentage of people are serving in the congregation? What percent are serving outside of the congregation? I want to know what percent are engaging the Word of God on their own. We actually mm -hmm. know that that correlates more to any other factor than any other factor to all the others when people are becoming those spiritually discerning, biblical self-feeders, engaging the Word of God on a regular basis. So I want to look and say, what is it? If this is where we want to be, if we're, if we're looking at the end in mind, what are some of the metrics that are going to get us there with a mature congregation of disciples on mission, impacting the world. What is your take on the group of people who, for whatever reason, just haven't made it back to church? I mean, almost every church is down somewhere between 40 and 60 percent. Mm -hmm. Still, two years into this right. pandemic, sure. they're still down. You hear everything from cultural Christianity disappeared mm -hmm. to, um, Which I you know, true. Okay, you think that's true. And to others saying, no, they're just afraid and they will eventually be back. And I think that's true. There's more than one thing. Okay, so talk yeah. about the things that yeah, you right. see in that Because one of the group. things sometimes we always look for a single solution. That's right. one of the ways that we think. Well, this is caused by this. The great resignation is caused by this. Well, it's yeah. multiple factors. So I think certainly what we're seeing is some people have been, and we talked about this uh, in prior times in podcasts and others, some people have sorted themselves out of your church and said, man, you guys are going a different direction, maybe ideologically. Right. Uh, some people are still nervous. I mean, you got to remember, it's mm -hmm. a, and when you say, when you, when you mention those high numbers, people in Texas are like, we're not down that much <laughs> because you're a Canadian. You know, I live in Chicago land. The, the, when you go more south, you actually find the return numbers are higher. But most places, it's still down some. So some of those people maybe have a child who's got leukemia and they're going through chemo and they don't yeah. want to risk it. Uh, some people have really gotten unaccustomed to the life and rhythms of church. Here's one of the mistakes I think we made. Because we're all, pastors are always positive. So we right. got up two years ago and said, the church never closed. So, right. and I get it, I get it. But in the doing so, we de-emphasized the loss. We lost something significant when churches didn't meet in person. Mm. I think a better way in hindsight would have been to say that we're going to have to operate in a temporarily deficient way in the emergency for the sake of the mission, but gathering is so central. Now we're having to re-persuade people that gathering is central. So some of it is we have taught them, and they listened. They yeah, listened. It's just yeah. as good online. We told them that. Many said, well, it's just as good online. Well, it's not. There's an element that's missing in what we call in theology the ecclesiological marks of a church. I think we're missing some. Yeah. So if we take people who are nervous, we take some people who believed us and went to online. You take people who kind of sorted out in the midst of the ideological resort we're going on in our culture, 
And if you take people who were loosely connected, who have just totally disconnected, I think that makes up for a significant percentage. And each of those has a different path for ultimately to be engaged in the life of the church. So we're going to have to think about more than one thing and engage on more than one front. So a cynical definition of happiness yeah. is low expectations. Sure. Just set your expectations <laughs> low. Yeah. You and I have had numerous conversations over the last couple of years. And I remember an early one where I asked you, are we going to go back to where we were numbers-wise before? And you yeah. said, if I'm right, no, mm-hmm. we're not. What's interesting is you say, yeah, if you go into Texas, go into Florida, you're going to find some churches that are trending almost to where they were Mm pre-COVID. You Mm -hmm. can probably always find those two or three people who are at or beyond, but the vast majority, like there are states that have been wide open, and and they're still 50%, 40%, 60%. If you extrapolate a couple of years Mm -hmm. where we're in an endemic, Mm -hmm. do you see a gradual rise? Do you think it'll be a rise with new people? Do you think some of those people are coming back? Like, I'd just like you to, you know, prognosticate. It is hard to guess. the future is not so good. But I mean, Um, but uh, everybody who said, get ready, they're not coming back, has been right so far. Yeah, so I think the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So we Mm -hmm. actually have patterns in in the lifetime of some people still alive today. You know, I was the interim teaching pastor at Moody Church, and right. you know, we we uh, I remember Easter 2020 sitting in that empty 3,750 seat. It's like a cathedral, empty. And I remembered that a hundred years ago, the Spanish flu came through, right. and the, the pattern, you know, it didn't shut down then, but substantially reduced. And typically, within two to three years, people did tend to return to the norm. What seems to be different at this point, we were already at a cultural tipping point. Yeah. Where the the people who were nominally Christian were already letting go of that Christian identification. Right. People who were loosely connected were becoming more connected. So it appears that this accelerated some of those trends. Now, we don't know yet. So I, I think early on in the pandemic, I heard some prognosticators say the, this is the end of the large church or, hmm. or you know, we're never, you know, we're going to be. But I, I don't think that that's the case. I think probably what we're going to see is numbers are going to continue to creep back up. But I think one of the things we're going to miss is a lot of those loosely connected people that were checking it out that now we need to re-engage. They probably have become a little more resistant, a little more distant. So probably numbers are going to creep back up, but are they going to get back to where they were 2019? I I think that would be years before we see that happen. And the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. Uh, We can't wait. And you know, you know, you and I both been, we love church planning. Yeah. You know, the, the, when, you, when you plant a church and that first Sunday, it rains. It's such a crushing thing. It because is. Because it's like, yeah. you know, no one's going to come because, because, because people who are not committed Christians are one easy reason away from not visiting your church uh-huh. on its launch day, for example. Can I just tell you that the whole world has had one easy reason not to gather with a large group of people for two years that to some degree will probably continue for well, we still have to see where COVID is. I'm, I'm not a doctor. Well, I'm a, doc- yeah. I'm a doctor, but my kids say I'm the kind that doesn't help anybody. <laughs> um, so we have to see. But I think right now that the easy, low-hanging fruit of evangelism from people who are loosely connected from the church is going to be substantially diminished for years to come. Ooh. And I think it's a challenge for us in the church. Wow. Okay. I think this is a tie-in, yeah. and I want to get this right. You recently tweeted and encouraged leaders to elevate their ecclesiology and engage the mission. Yes. What do you mean by that? Okay, Can so, you unpack that? Yeah, so I think one of the things we learned, we, a lot of things we learned. We learned yeah. that uh, uh, our discipleship was not as robust. People were shaped by you know what they're watching on social media or more. 
But one of the things that we learned is that the last few decades of kind of a low ecclesiology, well, you know, you like this church, the consumer-driven, you know, shopper bopping around different churches, that that produced people who are not deeply committed to the life of their local congregation. Yeah. So regardless of, you know, because everyone will debate when you stop meeting. I think it was over 90% of churches in America stopped meeting during the shutdown, the national shutdown. Yeah. And so that was almost everybody. It was just very small rural churches. Some didn't. So everyone then started back. And when you started back became a point of contention. Some people were mad at you. Some people were mad at you. You did it too slow. <laughs> you opened too early. You didn't exactly. open early you're, enough. You're a compromised coward on the one hand, yeah. or you're heartless not caring about the pandemic on the other. So, and real debates took place. So all this sort of moved us through this kind of re- restarting and resetting. But what it taught us is, is that we didn't have some of the, I would say, theological framework to say, so why do we need to be together? Why uh-huh. do we need feet and faces, not just electrons and avatars. Why are there references in the scriptural text to people being in the kind of community where they hold one another accountable? What we learned is, is that most Christians are start doing it on their own and their church is kind of a thing on the side. What we need to in the future, I think, is bring church, you know, Ephesians 3.10 said God has chosen the church to make known his manifold wisdom. I think we need to bring the church and the community, covenant community it is, back into greater focus, that's elevate our ecclesiology, and then engage the mission. I've said just earlier, I said the moment we're in doesn't pause the mission we're on. So a lot of churches got more involved in the mission in early 2020. I mean, they were yeah. serving and showing, sharing love of Jesus. Well, I think it's a reminder us of again, again. You know, Jesus came, he said, to seek and save the lost in Luke 19.10. In Luke 4.18 and 20, he talks about people who are hurting and marginalized, and he came for them. Jesus came to save the lost, and he came serving the hurting. I think what we need is a renewed focus on churches that have our fresh new energy elevating their ecclesiology to then engage the mission to show and share the love of Jesus in their context and around the world. Is the current definition of church, which is a service that often revolves right. around three songs yep. and a message yep. and people randomly gathering in rows, is that too narrow a definition? Because for a lot of mm-hmm. churches, they would say, oh, we're more than that. Yeah. But for most people, church has functionally yeah. become that gathering on Sunday, which church pre-pandemic. Is a, it, it's a place, not a people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah so I, I would say for sure. I think there are marks of a church that need to be true in every time and every place, but we have created church in kind of the modern image, if you will. Right. And what I would say is, um, I think there are parts of that that are biblical and parts of that that need to be reconsidered and, or maybe thought and applied more differently. But for me, we've got to help people not think of church as a place, but as a people, mm-hmm. and not just a people, but a people on mission. And there'll be marks, we don't have time to unpack them all, but there'll be marks of a biblical church. Churches are certain things and do certain things, but for too many of us, church is a service <laughs> at a time with a certain expected product, and that's produced a consumer-driven. And what we've got is we've got a lot of customers, when what we really need is a lot of co-laborers. So I think some people stepped up, stood out, and stood in the gap in the last two years, and they wanted to be co-laborers. What we need is to help the rest of the congregation move into that co-laboring space, and then ultimately labor together on the mission into the, into the world. I think you can make an argument that the attractional church was already failing to attract five, six years ago. We kind of saw that whole model, uh, you know, it sort of developed, I think, in my thinking, out of 
the seeker-sensitive model, sure. the seeker-targeted sure. model became a tractional church. Mm-hmm. Uh, online really became a thing in the mid-2010s for yeah, most people. Yeah. And you could almost see a lot of attractional churches were peaking around 2015 to 2017. Yeah. And then you started to see a spike in what I would call charismatic churches. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily charismatic theology, but charismatic expression. Okay. More experiential, more transcendent, okay. less imminent in their teaching. Rather than five ways to improve your marriage, it's like we are going to get gather here together in the presence of God. Sure. So there was something tangible. That's a lot of thought condensed into no, 30 seconds. No, but I think right. I would add too, charismatic yeah. and also some liturgical. So people yeah, liturgical. have a resurgence in these interests. They want a f- more embodied, engaged spiritual experience, not simply lining up in rows like shelves at Walmart, facing forward, listening to a great band and a humorous teacher. So I do think people want something more. Uh-huh. Now, I still think there's an attraction to some people to that. You know, well, you don't I, want repulsive churches. You don't want repulsive churches, if that's, the, if that's on the other end of the spectrum, <laughs> right. for sure. Yeah. So, so the, I think the question then becomes is, when the, one of the things that's to draw to come to an exciting congregation, which I'm not against the yeah. draw of coming to an exciting congregation, when you've got the one easy excuse, oh, you know, it's a pandemic and mm. you know, I don't want to come, which, remember, like on your launch day at a new church, it's one easy reason, and everyone's got one easy reason. Yeah. So probably people are going to be less inclined to come to see something amazing. And also, right. too, let's be honest. I mean, everybody who's sitting at home waiting for a mailer because there's a new amazing church that's not like the other churches, but this one's really amazing, they already got the mailer, and it's and, not from you. And we're wowed out. We're I mean, out. we are just so yeah. shock yeah. and awed, even on our social feed. So that gets back to engagement, right? You're talking a lot about engagement right Mm -hmm. now in the work that you're producing on your social. How do you, how would you encourage pastors to get their people more engaged and not just engaged as in, hey, I showed up and sat in the back row on Sunday and went home, but I mean in the mission? Yeah, it's a great question. So let, let 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 me address that specifically and directly. So part of my concern, what we've seen is, We've seen a percentage of people, could be a third, could be 40%, who got more engaged and more involved in the last two years. Then there's a percentage that kind of stayed the same. It's kind of been hard for them. They're kind of hanging on. And then you got the back, maybe third, that have disconnected. So I think part of what we've got to do is to normalize the higher level of engagement and involvement that we've seen in a substantial number of people in the last two years call those who are less engaged and involved to join those people on mission. So ultimately, we call to a higher expectation in what we do in church and on mission, and then call them to something. And I think that's, again, joining Jesus on mission in the world, showing and sharing the love of Christ. So I I do think, I mean, I'm just, I, I think that the current turbulence and tumult is going to cause so much kind of reaction in people that the modern experiments failed. This is not working. It's not working in Canada. It's not working in the U.S. Uh -uh. It's not working. And when we've seen this in the past, there have been times when the people of God have stood up and said, let us show you a different way and a better way. So I think my hope, my hope and prayer is, is that we will do what the writer of Hebrews says, provoke one another to love and good deeds so we can indeed engage and involve the people. It's two phases, really. It's inside, engage and involve at a higher level. But then what does that mean? To do something, to be on mission. And these are where the metrics will include what's being shaped inside, but also the impact we're making outside. I want to underscore what you said, too, because I love the shift. It's easy, and I I don't know why, but communication seems to have become more pastor-centric in the last two years. In other words, I'm going to get on camera. I'm going to try to get my church back in the rows. But I love what you said. It's like, no, the members, because I think it's one of those things where 
I, and free, we see different aspects of the church. Sure. So you see what I, you see, I see what I right. see. But what I see happening or what I sense happening is a lot of pastors are so focused on the people who are not back that so. they are ignoring the people so. who are back and who have actually elevated their level of commitment. Yeah. Comment on that. Do yeah, you no, see no, the I same think, thing? I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Because it's jarring that, you know, if you're used to 500 people on a Sunday yeah, and, and now it's 300 people on a Sunday or 400 people on a Sunday, um, but you really know that, you know, if there's, let's say it's 100 people less, that because that's a given Sunday, that's literally hundreds of people mm-hmm. who used to cycle in and out of your church. So you can become very driven by that. Well, again, I'm not of the view that we just, wow, forget it. Yeah. Some, some of them left because of just ideological shifts and they, they weren't excited where you were going. But many of them disconnected. So I think there's an opportunity to re-engage them for the cause of Christ, right? And and, you know, and to do that to say, but how? Who's going to do that? It's not right. going to be the pastor on a camera because everyone's tired of anybody on a camera. I mean, <laughs> I remember at the I very beginning, right, right, right at the beginning, we launched this, you know, resources to help churches transitioning. And we did how to speak to a camera. Uh-huh. And it was like the most exciting thing we ever did because pastors used to speak in across a room, how to speak to a camera. But now, and everyone knows how to talk to a camera. Everyone knows how to move in and make emphasis. And what I would say is the best opportunity to regather, to re-engage, to help your mm-hmm. church be on mission is not your persuasive speech if you're a pastor. It's actually the example of others who are inviting people who are less involved to be engaged at a higher level, join Jesus on his mission, and ultimately make that the impact. And that can be organic. Yeah. That can be neighbor texting neighbor, going, totally. hey, I haven't seen you in a while, Ed, or Carrie, I yeah. haven't seen you in a while. We need you on this and mission. And helping people to do that. I, I think, yeah. you know, when, when I was a kid, um, luggage didn't have wheels. I'm guessing <laughs> I when remember you were that. a kid. That I remember exactly. that. My kids yeah. think it's the biggest mystery. You used to carry it. Yeah, man. and my, my kids are like, well, wait a second. So the wheel was invented. Why didn't anybody put it on luggage? But no, <laughs> I just no one did. Um, or boxes didn't have handholds. Oh, you know, yeah. now it's like, you remember carrying these big, now you have uh-huh. a handhold in your box. Well, what I would say is people seem to need handholds in boxes. So, they're probably not going to just say, okay, everyone text your neighbor. Okay, great. But if you say, we as a congregation are going to specifically in the next few weeks seek to engage our neighbors, we want you to partner oh, with us. Good. Let me encourage you to, to engage five neighbors. What does it look like to go out, make a list, pray for them. We're going to pray for them together in the church. So help people re-engage because if there's one thing that happened in two years is everyone sort of engaged less. I mean, they called it social distancing. They should have <laughs> called it physical distancing, but it, they called it social distancing. So let's help them grab the mission, buy the handholds, and move forward together. And I think that's part of the responsibility of leadership is helping people to do better, to flourish as spiritual disciples on mission. Ed, I'm so grateful for everything you do. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, there's a lot more with Ed. If you want to take a deeper dive, you can go to barna.com slash access. And if you use the code churchpulse, all one word, you'll get 20% off an annual subscription. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time on Church Pulse Weekly. Thank you for listening to the Church Pulse Weekly podcast. Join us next week for more insights on navigating constant change in an era of disruption and how to stay connected to the people in your church.